Our first scripture this morning comes from the Epistle to the Corinthians by Paul, chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clashing cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part, but when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, and the greatest of these, is love. In order to honor the gospel, let us stand, please. Our gospel lesson this morning comes from Luke chapter 4. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel at the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zerpatha in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them was cleansed except Naam the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Maybe I love weddings. 
for various reasons. I'm learning to love them even more now. Not only is it an immense commitment that two human beings make to each other to love one another and to stick it out, to make that commitment to me is just holy activity and, and can't be done without the inspiration of God. It's just such a commitment and a good commitment and the world needs that. But I'm, as a preacher, uh, appreciating weddings even more now because it gives me as a preacher and as a person who uh, wants to share the best of what is Christianity, it gives me an opportunity to preach to folks who would never come to church. <laughs> and you can tell, you know, they're sitting there with their crossed arms and kind of waiting and when's the, when are the hors d'oeuvres going to be served? <laughs> and, and, I, and I want them to know about this mystery of love that comes from God and, and delights in all love. And, and I usually say, I trust that we come from various faith traditions or no faith tradition, and you're welcome here. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me afterwards and said, that was the most gracious welcome I've ever heard in any church. Gosh, you know, it doesn't take that much, but that's what we're up against, Christians. There's a perspective out there that thinks, we're all judgmental, finger-wagging people who worship a lightning bolt-wielding God. Ooh, Lord, have mercy. And at almost every wedding, it's this passage from Corinthians that's read. How many of you have heard this at a wedding? Yes, look, look around you. Everybody's raising their hands. Wonderful. It's a beautiful passage. You know, when I, when I preach on, on love at a wedding, I, I can tell, because I've, I've, I've been there. I remember at, at my wedding just being so lost in Julie's loving gaze that I don't know what was happening around me. <laughs> and, and I can see that couples are just, they're, they're in that stage of love that I refer to as the, the anesthetic stage of love. <laughs> yeah. They're just in the anesthesia. They, it's all good. It's all beautiful. And praise God for that. It's, it's a wonderful season of marriage. But they're, they're so lost in that that I know that when I'm preaching, I'm not preaching to them. They may think I am, but I'm really preaching to those who are overhearing the sermon, who are in the stage of their marriages where it's hard work to stay committed. And it's those folks out there that might need a, a word of encouragement. And I often share, when we reflect on this passage of love, that one of the best things married people can understand is that love doesn't come from the other person. It comes through the other person. The other person is not the source of love. God is the source of love. God is the creator of love, the author of love, the giver of love, and the one who longs for all of us, married folks, single folks, divorced folks, all of us, God longs for that love to flow through us and to be in our midst. When the tank of love is on empty in marriages or any loving relationship, the risk is we look to another human being to fill the tank, and that is an unfair expectation. In fact, it's an impossible expectation. It cannot be filled. Only God can fill the tank 
through other people, but the other people are not the source of that. And sometimes we place God-like expectations on other human beings, and we are let down by doing so. But the secret of this passage is it's not really meant for married people. Paul was writing this to the church in Corinth and saying to the church, I know about your arguments. I know about your debates over who's more important and who's got better skills and who's got more spiritual gifts. All those gifts and skills don't matter, Paul says. It's all about love. It's all about being a conduit of God's love, to let God's love flow through us, not only to other brothers and sisters in Christ, but to the people outside of the circle of the church. That's how God's love is made real. And so Paul writes, and he's, he's masterful about kind of claiming it himself and saying, if I speak with the tongues of angels but don't have love, I'm a clanging symbol. And what he's saying is to the church, it's all about love. If you're not in the flow of love, you're missing something. In fact, he's even saying, if you want to measure your faithfulness, then ask the question, am I as a Christian more loving or less loving since I've been following Jesus? The question for any church for the last 2,000 years is, are we as a church more loving? If we are, we're being more faithful. God's in our midst. God's flowing. If we are less loving, something's not right. He writes something that I want to read to you from the, the message that may be the, the bar that is set for us as individuals who are trying to follow Jesus as a church we are trying to follow Jesus maybe as a denomination the United Methodist Church needs to ask this question too are we being more loving the longer we follow Jesus or not and if not then this is the bar of what love is you know we it's almost a hackneyed term love we don't fully appreciate the depth of what the Apostle Paul is saying here or even Jesus himself saying the ethic of loving God and loving neighbor are the two primary focal areas of being faithful. But so many have used the word love that we don't really even know what it means anymore. Listen to what the early church and we as a congregation might be assisted by. When we hear what this definition of love is, let's ask ourselves, are we as a church living this out? Or are we as a denomination living this out? Or are we as a family living this out? He writes, if I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe or what I do, I am bankrupt without love. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. 
Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Love doesn't force itself on others. Love is not always me first. Love doesn't fly off the handle. Love doesn't keep score of the sins of others. Love doesn't revel when others grovel. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything. Love trusts God always. Love always looks for the best. Love never looks back, but keeps on going to the end. You know, the reason that I chose to put this graphic on the bulletin made up of the words of this particular letter to the church is because of the O. Some of you may have seen this. I think the original is in Philadelphia, a Greek word for the city of brotherly love. Have any of you seen that? Big L-O-V-E, some of you have. The O is crooked. The O is off-balanced, specifically done to remind all who look at it that love is imperfect. And lovers are imperfect. And people who are committed to love are imperfect. And people who are trying to love are imperfect. That's good news. The love that we're called to take out there to the world may not understand our imperfect love. I wish, someone asked me to, this morning, why were, you, why were you out there in the cold waving to cars? I want people to see the face of love coming in coming from a Christian. I feel like everybody out there on the road needs blessing of some kind. Everybody out there, whether they're believing people or not, are longing for love. I wish we could put a sign on our front lawn that's there all the time that says something like, love is spoken here. This church loves all people. Some people question that. Some people don't know that. I would love to have a sign out there that says, love with a greater sign, one of those mathematical equation signs, love is greater than being right. That might save someone's relationship. Or maybe the sign would say, Love wins. Or 
Love always has the last word. Maybe I should stop with that. Amen.